You guys know my guest. He's been on the show multiple times. I've lost count. Uh, but he's come on the show as a conservative to to talk about all sorts of different things, including Donald Trump. I don't know where he stands right now in all of his positions, but I do know that he wanted to come on the podcast today to have really a debate, a full-on discussion and debate about Roe v. Wade and abortion rights. So please join me in welcoming Javier, Javier, be sure you say it twice, to the podcast. What's up, man? Yeah, yeah. What's up, David? Hey, it's good. <laughs> good to have you back on, man. Yeah, it's good to be back, man. Uh, very refreshing. Uh, it's been a little minute, uh, but a lot of growth, a lot of time. Uh, you've been on my show recently, so that was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I listened to your last podcast. Uh, how? But first, how you been? I've been pretty good, man. The the comedy thing is taking off. I'm doing a lot of a lot of auditions for TV shows and movies. Got a couple in the works. Stuff I can't talk about yet, but that we're working on and filming. And as soon as I can, I'll let the world know. But more than anything, uh, the the stand up comedy. I'm 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 going to Vegas. I'm I'm yeah. doing stuff in in La Brea. Yeah. I'm doing stuff in Hollywood and just all throughout parts of Los Angeles. I I love the comedy thing, man. It's it's a good way to to flesh out some of these ideas without being so serious. I mean, I take yeah. myself very seriously on a lot of these podcasts, and it 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 weighs me down. You know, mentally, physically, it's exhausting sometimes. The stuff that I deal with. So being able to go on stage for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or a half an hour and just vent to a group of people that are drunk is hilarious to me. So <laughs> I, I need that. I like that balance in my life. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, that's definitely a second venture love of yours that you really took a risk and went out there and it seemed like it's working out for you and yeah. not everybody can be funny. I can be fr funny by accident, but not intentionally. So that's definitely a skill gotcha. and an art. So uh, definitely, uh, I look forward to seeing some of your work. And uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of mm -hmm. uh, Roe v. Wade, I, I did watch the podcast, uh, which you had the three comedian women that yeah. came on. Um, I would say that it was very enjoyable to listen to as far as the comedy and the jokes and the chemistry between everyone. Uh, it was hard to stomach some of the things that I heard, um, but uh, everybody has a voice. Everybody has a right to be heard. I don't think that me, myself, or anybody that I support would want to silence anyone and not have their opinions or their voices be heard. So like you said earlier, I'm, I, I don't disagree. I, I don't necessarily. I do think that women's voices are not being shut down, but I can understand the perspective on how women who are pro-choice may feel as if their opinion or their views are being excluded. I can see it from their perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the easiest way to look at it, and I'm sure we'll have common ground here, it, regardless of if you agree with it or not, you can clearly acknowledge that as of this moment, women have fewer rights than they did 20 years ago. Like they did have rights and now they don't. Now you may agree with them no longer having the right to do whatever that thing was, but it's pretty cut and dried that, that they have fewer rights than they did 20 years ago, yes? Well, uh, it depends on how you're defining rights. Are you are you saying rights as far as, like, protected by the Constitution, or are you saying something they were able to do that they're no longer able to do? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, the, the, the Roe v. Wade decision wasn't just 
are we going to make it a law or not make it a law? The, the Roe v. Wade decision was interpreting aspects of the Constitution, including the 14th Amendment, which they, they talk about in their decisions where they're saying, we believe liberty means this and we believe liberty means that. And so they had a right to abortion. Abortion was a federal right uh, afforded to all women up to a certain point until the viability of the fetus. And now that right is taken away. Women do not have that right federally. They have to be in a state where that where that right is is granted on the state level. So there are women who it's like let's say for example in Ohio, they had the right to abortion up until a few weeks ago. Now they no longer have that right in that state and they have to leave the state. And now there are even states wanting to make it illegal to leave the state to get an abortion, which isn't, it's going to be a part of our conversation today, but yeah, uh, can, uh, can, can you acknowledge that they have fewer rights? Like they, they are no longer allowed to do things they were allowed to do 20 years ago. I, I would consider it, I would consider it to be a freedom, not a right. Um, I would say like, I have the freedom to get in my car and drive. I don't have a right to do so, but I have the freedom to do so. And if um, somebody okay. told me I couldn't drive a car, then I would no longer have the freedom, but I would argue that I don't think women ever had the right. I think it was something that the Supreme Court made a horrible decision and it gave them the freedom to do so, but it was never protected in the Constitution as a right. Okay. Okay. So you don't, you don't, okay. Well, I guess that that starts our conversation then because you don't think, and, and that's fine if you want to use the word freedom for now. Okay. Can you acknowledge that women have fewer freedoms than they had 20 years ago? I would argue that they have one less freedom than they had 20 years ago, but okay, which would they be have fewer. more yeah. freedoms overall. Yeah. Whoa, wait, what? Okay. No, no. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So they, they lost something. Well, I mean, I don't know what they have that they didn't have 20 years ago that they, that they have today. Well, I mean, women have, uh, just as far as them climbing the economic ladder and, um, women are doing very good when it comes to college graduation, which allows them. I more see what freedoms. you're saying. Yeah. I see so what you're they, saying. Yeah, in certain areas, um, I do believe that women have made uh, a lot of progress and advancements, which is which is good, you know. Uh, but I, I think see. when you're, it comes to, yeah, I see you're you're talking more on a macro level. You're like just across the board. There are more women CEOs. There are more women in positions yeah. of power and authority, and and doing better in education and financially and all of that. They, there's this one thing that they're no longer allowed to do. Yeah, I see. Okay, so. Um, why do you consider yourself pro-life and, and, and to what degree do you have any stipulations? Okay. Uh, I do have stipulations, uh, for me coming from an atheist. Um, I don't believe in objective morality for myself. I know there are atheists who do believe in objective morality. I, I personally don't see a foundation for it. So I, I tend to look at life as we have to navigate the experience that we have to the best of our ability, given what we do have access to and what we do know. And the reason I consider myself to be pro-life is uh, fundamental, uh, maybe like two or three different levels of it. One is um, uh, a legal level. One is a practical level as far as utilitarian argument. And um, I think that that's where the two I would start. I, I do believe that a fetus is a human life. And then the question comes into it, what is the government's interest in protecting life? And then I know that other people would draw the distinction between life versus personhood or sentience. And 
we first have to establish if it's a life and then we have to move forward on the other arguments of personhood and sentience. But if we're talking about just life, I do believe that the government has a fundamental role to protect human life, Hmm. which, yeah. Okay. So, but, but it is all, all right, let, let me back up. So do you remember the first time in grade school where some teacher or maybe your parents did this for you? For me, it was a teacher Explain to me that plants were alive. Do you remember when you found out plants were alive? Yeah. That moment of, oh, wow, hold on a second. I've always thought life as, you know, a dog, a person, a gorilla. Uh, I, I, never, I never imagined as a child that a, a flower was a living thing, right? And when I first heard that, it, it, it was a moment that I remember grasping onto because it was like a core memory because I went, oh, wait a minute life doesn't always mean what I think it means. And Mm -hmm. this is one of those situations where when, when we just say life, there's so much to that. Um, And I know the argument and I know this, this, the, the, the textbooks and the science books say life begins at conception. And so when, when the, when the egg is fertilized, life begins. I'm fine with that. I don't mind saying that that's life any more than I have a problem with saying that a flower is life or that a tree has been alive for 140 years. Mm-hmm. Life, life beginning doesn't mean life is complete. And um, I, I, I've tweeted this in various aspects and I, I, I left a comment on a video about this, uh, I think about a week ago, where... I, I mean, I'll, I'll give the comedic version first because this is something I say on stage now. Um, life begins at conception, okay? And according to the same science books, digestion begins in the mouth. And so by pro-life logic, the moment you bite a sandwich, you're eating shit. Yeah, and, I saw and, that on Twitter. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, yeah, that's on Twitter as well. So it's it's this idea that life beginning doesn't mean life is complete. And the point is to say that the beginning of a process or that result of a beginning process, because that's what a fertilized egg is. It's the result of a process beginning. Mm -hmm. It is to say that that is equal to the result of the process being completed is an equivocation fallacy because, Uh, because they're not the same, even though they're both technically life. Agreed. Just like I wouldn't say that, you know, vegans are committing murder when they eat kale, right? It's just not the same. And one more analogy to nail this down, and I've said this before, I believe, on Twitter and, and again in a conversation, and I think I said this in a conversation with the last Christian guest I had on. In the Patreon version, we got into abortion, and I told her, you know, cherry trees begin when you water and fertilize seeds. Mm-hmm. Are those seeds cherries? I mean, that, that's the beginning of cherries. It's the beginning of a cherry tree. But if you dig up those, cher- those, those seeds, did you chop down a tree? I mean, so yes, that's the beginning of a tree, but that's not a tree. And those seeds aren't cherries. You can't dig those seeds out of the ground, pop them in your mouth and say you're eating cherries. So it, it, it's the lack of nuance here. When I take a bite of a sandwich, that's where digestion begins. 
But that chewed up food is only the result of a beginning process. It's not the completion of a bowel movement. So to say that you're eating shit is obviously ridiculous. So I don't want to ignore the gray area and I don't want to ignore nuance in this. I want to be clear that when I acknowledge life begins at conception, that's just the beginning of a process. It doesn't mean that yeah. life deserve that life deserves protections the same way a three-year-old child would. Yeah. Um, I think that the best way to approach the abortion argument is to take it step by step. Sometimes we, uh, when having these conversations, we ended up, we end up in the weeds because we tried to like make so many points at one time. And then we have to go through a process. Like first do we establish life? And then if you want to move to the next argument, as far as the government, or if you want to move to sentience or personhood, you have to address each argument on the individual merits and build a case sure. instead of, right? So if we can acknowledge that that is life, would you acknowledge that it is human life? Um, no. And that's, that's the interesting piece. It's the beginning of human life, but it is not human life. And the only reason I say that, Javier, is because you can freeze an embryo. You can freeze it. And when you thaw it out later, it can still develop into human life. But you cannot freeze a human and then thaw them out at a later time to continue being a viable human. There is a clear difference bet between the embryonic state and a fully developed human being. Okay, now, David, now, I believe that that is arbitrary, right? Because you can do this categorization with any different thing. You could say... Well, Asians don't grow as tall as black people, so therefore they're not human. See, <laughs> what? Oh, Javier, come look, I'm, on, I'm, I'm man. I'm a rational case here. But no, that is not I'm rational. Saying. That is well, not I rational. Said irrational. I oh. said irrational. Oh, you right? said irrational. Okay, to we agree the, on that. Yeah, to show the absurdity of it. Here, here's hmm. the thing. Everybody can draw an arbitrary line about what is what distinguishes a certain human from a different type of human or a process of the human um, development. And why do you get to take the category of, well, you can freeze this and still grow a human, but you can't freeze this person at 30 years old and they still live after that or whatever the case may be. Who determines that that is the proper way to categorize what a fetus well, whether a fetus is a human life or not. Well, okay. So th this, this point, and I know you want to keep it organized and I'm going to try my best to do so, but this point that you're making is going to be connective tissue throughout this entire discussion because we don't get to make that decision. Nobody knows the ins and outs of this. Nobody knows exactly the moment a fetus is viable. Nobody knows exactly the moment where the right moment to be to, 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 to cut off and say, this is when abortion becomes murder. This is when abortion is not murder. Um, nobody knows. And, and that point and, and these questions being so hard to determine is exactly why this is a personal decision. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's not up to Congress or the Supreme Court. This is why I advocate for this decision being left up to the most affected person, which is each individual pregnant woman. This is their decision, not ours. What I was responding to is you asking me if a fertilized egg is a human being. It will become one probably. But you don't know when. 
right. I don't know when, which is why okay. it's not up to me to make that decision. But when you ask me why I don't see a four-year-old child the same as a fertilized egg, there is a huge difference between the two when one can be frozen and then thawed out months later and still used, and one definitely cannot. If you freeze a four-year-old child, that child dies. So there is a clear, basic, fundamental difference in the makeup of these two beings. So to call one human, to call them both human, I think is a, a little bit of an overstep. Uh, okay, so let's let's try to use that example in a different way. Would you say that a four-year-old is less human than a 25-year-old when their brain is fully developed? Absolutely not. Okay, so... Because that four-year-old has sentience and sapience and is this is in the same boat as far as being frozen. It is a fully developed human being. A fertilized egg, by definition, is a fertilized egg. That well, David, David, depend, okay, so... Javier, are eggs are, chickens? If you have eggs for breakfast, did you eat chicken for breakfast? Uh, I ate a chicken egg. Okay. Did you eat chicken for breakfast? No. Okay. So there's a clear. So sometimes they are. If the egg is fertilized, there is a small percentage of eggs that make it to the market that are fertilized. As a matter of fact, if you've ever had an egg and seen a little dot in the middle of it, sometimes it's a brown dot or a white dot, that usually means that that egg was fertilized. If you eat a fertilized egg, did you eat chicken? No one would say that that's chicken. It's clearly a different thing. Well, okay, what what people will say versus what is actually happening is two totally different things, right? Because a woman who's pregnant, who wants her baby, even three weeks in, she believes it's a baby versus a woman who doesn't want her baby, she believes it's a clump of cells. We I mean, wouldn't make that determination based on people's subjective opinion about what's a baby and what's not a baby. It's not that they believe it, it's just how they refer to it, right? It's it's how they... Um, it's, it's the colloquialisms, it's the way she talks about her future child. It's about what that thing is going to become, not necessarily scientifically what it is right now. Okay, so and, and, you say that you don't know when it becomes a human, right? And yeah, we, I, right. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm sure there is a, I'm sure there is um, some sort of uh, scientific definition of when it's considered uh, a human being. I think even religious texts often talk about life beginning at breath, at first breath. Um, I don't know that I would agree with that either. I think there is a part, there is some point in in utero where this this development process creates a human being. I would say that at some point there is a human being inside that stomach. But in the first trimester where we're talking about the majority of abortions and we're talking about the majority of people figuring out that they're pregnant and then wanting to terminate that pregnancy, and we're talking about an egg, a literal egg with fertilizer, with just sperm and an egg, and then calling that a human being, I think is ignoring... I didn't call it a human being. I called it a human life. And the, here's here's the distinguish. Uh, okay. uh, to distinguish between the two, right? Um, uh, an embryo is only an embryo will turn into a, a human embryo will only turn into a human being. It won't, that embryo won't turn into a chicken. It won't turn into a dog. It, it has distinct DNA or uh, whatever DNA sequence that it has is uniquely human. Well, it could also turn into a miscarriage. So it, it could just end itself or turn into a human being. But when you say that it's not human, you would have to define what makes human human. Well, right. And I, I it's said it's the beginning DNA, of human life. I said it's the beginning of human life. I don't consider it a human being. 
And I think we're getting caught up in semantics because it trying to categorize and say, well, what is it now? Well, what is it now? Well, what is it now? This is, I think this is missing the entire point. Like I said, the reason these things are so hard to nail down is because there are scientists and medical doctors who don't really agree on certain aspects of, of embryonic development as to when it becomes a person or when is it exactly viable and all of these different aspects of it. This is why this should be left up to the, 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 the pregnant person to decide what to do with their own body. Why? Why should it be up to the pregnant person to decide what happens to if if by chance, let's say we don't know when human life actually, it becomes human. Mm-hmm. We don't know. So that line is arbitrary. It, it, it's so subjective. But we're going to basically gamble and let women decide for themselves when a life is valuable as a human life versus when it's not. And that can mean something different for every single woman. But who, who doesn't get a say in that? The potential life, the life which is growing inside of her doesn't get a damn core. It doesn't get to make its case. Right. Exactly. The the life of the mother takes precedent. And here's why. But she's not her life is not at risk. Only in situations where her life is in danger. No. Should you make that case? No, 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 no. I think her quality of life is definitely in danger. If she doesn't want a child and she finds herself pregnant and she wants to do something about that medical condition, she should have the right to do it. And here's, well, here's why. Here's okay. why. Because, and this is very important to this conversation, and I'm, so I'm glad you asked this question. The mother's life is essential for the embryo to exist, but the embryo is not essential for the mother to exist. In fact, that embryo does substantial harm to the mother's body, and that's why the pregnant person's life takes precedence over the embryo. Okay, so She gets say- to decide. When you say her life, you're not meaning that her life is in danger. You're saying that it could possibly inconvenience her. Well, it's not just inconvenience. It's a little more than inconvenience. I mean, and, I think I think a, a, a train coming through on your way to work is inconvenient. I think uh, your, re- your relief at work right at 5 o'clock doesn't show up on time and you miss a, a dinner party. That's inconvenient. Um, forcing a woman to go through nine months of pregnancy and have a baby she either can't afford or doesn't want or received due to rape, um, forcing her to then have that child, which is now literally a life sentence, even if you give that child up for adoption, that's never going to go away. Um, And if you keep the child and raise the child, a child you didn't want, you're talking about increasing child poverty rates exponentially uh, and and all kinds of other issues. The quality of life for that child is not being taken into consideration. The quality of life of her living children is not being taken into consideration. What if she's that broke, that poor, unable to afford another child and made a mistake and got pregnant, the government comes in and you, as a more conservative person, will say the government can come in and no, force no, this you, woman to have this baby. I mean, so hold on, Javier, calling that, calling that simply inconvenient is missing the entire point of this conversation. Here's what I'm saying. Uh, you bombarded me with a lot there. Um, okay, so the government... As a conservative, I hear people make this argument all the time. Well, the conservatives are for small government. How are the um, conservatives for a big government coming in telling women what to do with her body? That's never the conservative position. Everybody, whether 
a conservative believes that there should be small government, but that small government has some crucial roles to play, just like self-defense, like defense, like national defense. That's the government's role. When we say big government, we're talking about the government overreaching in areas it was never intended to do. So as a conservative, I believe that the government's sole purpose, one of the government's sole purposes is to protect life. If somebody comes to your house and tries to murder you, I I expect the government to either protect you or to get retribution for the taking of your life. That is a function of the government. That's not big government. Now, the second thing you said was forcing a woman to carry a pregnancy for nine months. Okay. If I go into a casino and I decide that I want to take the risk and gamble, knowing full well when I go into the casino that it's a possibility Mm. that I may lose all of my money. If I go into that casino and I lose all of my money, you would not make the argument that the casino is forcing me to be broke. That is not the same thing. Okay. If a woman and a man (laughs) both agree as adults to engage in certain behavior, they understand that there is a risk that a potential life can be created. That is no, let me, let, let me fix that. Let me fix that analogy for you. Let's say you and I were at my house and we were gambling for, for play, for fun, and the gambling was with fake money. And I'm throwing out fake money and you're throwing out fake money and we're having a good time and I lose my ass. And then I get and then I leave and it doesn't matter because it's fake money. Who cares? I leave and when I get home, I look through my wallet and realized I I accidentally used a real $100 bill at one point, and I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to throw out that real $100 bill. Let me call Javier and see if we can undo this mistake. Surely he'll understand. I was playing for fun. I didn't mean how, for this to end up in real money. There are people that, who were on there. How is that a fix? I, I'll my... tell you. I'll tell you. Because, because when you gamble and you lay cash down, you know exactly what could happen. That money could just go <laughs> away or you're going to win money, right? But okay. there are tons of people who have sex with condoms. And, and they know and that it's not hold on. I know, but and they and they do it with contraception. They have they are on birth control. We're talking 91 percent, and they're using birth control, or they're pulling out, or people get lied to. Men will say they that 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 they don't know when it's happening. I personally know a person very close to me got pregnant because they were a very they were very young. They were a teenager, and they just didn't get proper sex education. And the first time they ever had sex. The person, the man told them um, he can't feel it whenever it's coming. He doesn't know when he's going to have an orgasm. And, and he lied to her and and ejaculated inside her. And she ended up pregnant the first time she ever had sex. There, Sometimes it's a mistake. Sometimes it's an accident. Sometimes it's a broken condom. Sometimes they don't think they're ovulating and they are. There are so many different aspects of this where people are having sex for fun and then puts put uh, fails in place and or fail stops in place and those fail stops fail and then they find themselves pregnant to then say well because of that one mistake you now have to deal with nine months of pregnancy and you have to um there's nothing you can do about this decision and the government's going to force you to have that child then we get into rape and incest what do you have any do you have have, any restrictions at all there we have to we have to take it last I need to respond to what you said, then we can get into the rape and incest. Okay. Um, 
I, I know this is your show. I, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm hitting all of your points. Sure. Go for it. Okay. The fact that you could rattle off all of the things that could go wrong lets me know that people, especially adults who are of sound mind and uh, knows these risks, you just laid out all of the risks. Anybody watching your listening to your podcast right now, you just gave them a litany of risk that they're going to take, even if they put fail safes inside. Mm-hmm. That's still knowing that there's a potential and a possibility, you still have to accept those risks. That comes with the territory of engaging in that behavior. We know. Okay, this. hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not just engaging in behavior. It's a it's a fundamental basic need of being a human being. Okay. If you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you'll know that some form of intimacy and reproduction show up throughout the pyramid, the very basis of the pyramid, the longest, widest part, which is considered the most important part of human existence is physiological needs. It's food, it's shelter, it's water, air, clothing. In that- Sex is not included in that. It's reproduction is. Yeah. Reproduction is. No, let me finish though. Reproduction is part of that biggest piece. So yes, that does have to do that drive, that desire to reproduce is a fundamental and some would argue one of the biggest, most important fundamental basis of, of being a human being. And then a couple levels up, you have love and belonging, which includes intimacy. So it, it's throughout this, this, and by the way, self-actualization could be a part of that. Agree, and and but... your safety needs as far as being, being with a person and being, being loved and being, uh, cared for and being secure. Sex is a part of being a human being. So, so to, to say that that's engaging in behavior, they're not going to a motorcycle rally that that's, it's not a, it's not an external thing. It's an internal part of being a human being. So someone having sex and then becoming pregnant doesn't should not be a life sentence should not be a nine month sentence should not mean, well, you took that one risk and it, it turned out, even though the probability was 93% that you weren't going to be pregnant, the 7% happened. Therefore, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. now have to deal with all of the destruction that this fetus is going to do to your body. You have to then you know, have go through childbirth, which neither of us have ever experienced, and all of the other things that come with having to give up a child or bring a child into the world you can't afford or that you don't want and what that would be like to be that child being born when you're unwanted or your mother's extremely poor this this it's such just saying that it's inconvenient or you knew the risk when you had sex it's just a gross oversimplification of what women actually go through for that one tiny mistake for that one tiny mistake. It just doesn't seem to me that the punishment fits the crime. Men, men also are impacted by this. And not only that, even when women decide to have children, even when the men doesn't want the child, men still have to pay the consequences of that in the future. Um, Men are paying child support for like 18 years or so Mm -hmm. um, for a child they didn't want or whatever the case may be. I I, I get the argument. What, What I'm saying is that you're willing to accept the the naturalistic argument for Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You, you're, you're willing to say, well, we naturally as humans record, like desire this 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 thing, right? I'm trying not to use the word sex, but 
we we naturally desire this, and it's just a part of being. Hey, human. you can you can say sex on this show. Trust me, I've said it much worse. <laughs> I, I said it in a debate about abortion, and people got all up what? in arms about me just basically saying what it was. But well, but hey, uh, but that's because your audience is conservative, and they're all uptight. No, I was I was on a liberal <laughs> um, platform, and, and somebody got upset. Are oh, you telling me liberals got upset because you said the word sex? I basically said that men and women have sex. And they was like, whoa, you ain't got to, like, you don't have to describe what happens. I'm like, were you at a church? What is happening? This was on Modern Day Debate. You can go check it out. I debated two liberals. uh, Okay, (laughs) come on, Modern Day Debate. You better. (laughs) But um, so what happened? uh, Where was I? Okay, so we're willing to accept the naturalistic argument that we're all human and humans have these basic instincts. Right. And we just have to accept it for what it is. But yet, when it comes to the natural act of getting impregnated, which nature intended, which sex is basically the gateway of how nature decided we reproduce, that's also natural. But we're not willing to accept that. We're willing to bypass nature on that, but we're not willing to bypass nature on the desire and the need to have that sexual intimacy. Right. Absolutely. That's a, I, don't, that's a, I don't understand it. Well, it doesn't matter because you're not a woman and you're not pregnant. And that's my that's my entire point to understand the logical argument. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> that is an absolute straw man of what I just said, Javier. No, I, I said I you know, have to have a vagina I'm, to understand logical arguments. No, to understand the logical implications of abortion. No, but the point of you not understanding it is precisely the point that this is not our decision to make. This this is not happening in our bodies. This is happening in the bodies of women who are going to be much more affected than we would be from a pregnancy or ending a pregnancy. And so as tough as the decision can be, it is ultimately up to the only body that is required for that, em- for that embryo to grow. I disagree because now you're talking about the doctor that gets involved who performs the abortion. It doesn't just, the woman just doesn't go in there and pull it out herself. Other people are included in this decision. Well, yeah, but if the doctor refuses to do it, the mother can go to another place or the... the Find another doctor. Yeah. So it, what I'm saying is ultimately, I'm not saying it's easy for everybody else. I'm saying, and it's not even easy for her, but I'm saying making a federal law that they can't do it or removing the federal protection of being able to do it is going to do more harm than good. It's going to be awful for women. It's going to be awful for children. The experts... The, the experts have already weighed in on this all over the news, and there are reports out showing the projected increase in child poverty. Uh, well, okay. All right. So, um, well, that's a prediction, right? Well, Javier, um, <laughs> it's a very well-educated guess based well, on yeah, b- based on not... based on based on the fact that we already have about a half a million children that go into uh, foster care, and if women are now going to be forced to have children they didn't want, it's only right to assume that number will increase. So we will have more children in foster care. We will have more children born in poverty for women who cannot afford abortions. Okay, poverty. And this the... is well. This poverty... is. This is an okay. important part of this conversation, so I think we need to move into this piece of who's going to be affected. So you're well, talking about— I, I do want to get to about, the incest before we get there, but— um, we, we can do that in a minute. So okay. about half of abortions, about half of all abortions, uh, happen for people within below the poverty line, 
Not 46 percent. Yeah, oh, 40, yeah, 46 to 49. Yeah. Yeah. And so so this this could very well be uh, those same people who were well below the poverty line also cannot afford to travel out of state to get that abortion. They cannot afford um, to move if they wanted to. They can't afford the time off work let alone the gas and travel to get somewhere. And whenever they get to where they're going, uh, the hotel stay while they're out of state. So if someone is a multimillionaire and gets pregnant, they can, they can hop on a plane and go to California and get an abortion and pay for their hotel stay. By the way, still not easy for those women, right? But um, this will disproportionately affect... Um, people well below the poverty line, which will include, of course, low-income working class and will have a disproportionately effect on women of color as well. Uh, there mm. are more women of color below the poverty line than there are white women. So you're talking about a very distinct group of people who will not be able to um, have the resources to get out of that state in order to have an abortion. So one of two things is going to happen. They're going to try to do it illegally to, and potentially hurt themselves, kill themselves or, or cause some other sort of medical issue, or there's going to be a ton of babies born into poverty, which is definitely not something we need more of. Okay. All right. So being born in poverty is worse than a death sentence. Um, again, this is where sentience and sapience comes in. The child in poverty knows it's in poverty. The fertilized egg does not have sentience or sapience, is not a person to realize something bad is happening to it. Oh, so when I go to sleep at night and I'm like not conscious and I'm not aware and you shot me in the head. I didn't know that I was going to die. I didn't. I didn't have the fear. Javier, that, that doesn't is, justify it, right? Javier, that is absurd. You are a human being. You have sentience. You have sapience. You have family members. Not, not you have I'm... you have responsibilities. You have people who count on you. You have developed relationships. You have wisdom. You have the ability of self awareness and understanding of things around you. There, you are a person on this planet that is not the same as a little egg. That has fertilizer on it. It's, it's not the same. With every and with so every and so is a flower. So is a flower. It's also a life. Are yeah, you saying when I walk over and pick a flower, I've murdered that plant? You 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 brought up the naturalistic argument about. I asked you a question. Having... I asked you a question. When I pick a flower, have I murdered a plant? Are you okay with saying I have taken a life? I have killed. You did something? take a life. Technically, you did take a okay. life. Okay. Okay. So why doesn't that life deserve protection? Well, I, I was going to get into that. Like you, you, you brought up earlier the naturalistic argument of the desire to have sex. Well, let's also talk about the naturalistic desire for people to protect their own species and the thriving of the future generations of their own species. Like we totally ignore that aspect of it, but humans have an interest in preserving their species and nurturing their offspring, which I find it very. Sometimes it's hard to have this conversation and it's not from an emotional perspective, but the fact that I have to make the argument on why it seems a little absurd for a mother who should have every instinct 
to protect her offspring from destroying it. I, I, to me, well, it, so in in a lot of cases, that's exactly what she's doing by having an abortion. So, so late term abortions, for example, um, are almost always, and when I say always, I'm talking 99.999%, almost always have to do with a very, very serious problem with the fetus, um, some sort of... Hold on, say that again? Uh, start over, say that again? The vast majority of late term, uh, late term oh. abortions have okay. to do with the fetus, uh, either when it's born, it's going to have terrible pain and not live more than a few hours or days. Um, there's going to be a lot of anguish. There's going to be a lot of agony. There's going to be a lot of suffering. Uh, the baby, when it is born is going to be in constant, constant terrorizing pain. No mother wants to watch their child go through that. No one wants that child to experience that pain. Um, Understood, and but so, that's, not, that's and, not the same. As... Well, hold on. But when a mother decides, makes that very, very tough decision after consulting doctors and, and seeing the scans and seeing the test results and finally realizing that this child, this baby, is going to be born with uh, terrible, painful problems and not be very viable for very long, makes the decision to then end the life of that baby and then give give birth to a, what is obviously a dead child, that is heartbreaking. That is Agreed. that is gut wrenching. But that decision is being made to protect her child. It well, is redu- it is reducing different. it's reducing harm. Okay, that piece out of the way. It's also true in the beginning stages. The mother looks down, realizes she's pregnant. She's only a few weeks in, let's say five, six weeks in. She's poor. She is a college student. She's in the middle of starting her own life, realizing, oh my God, I'm on birth control and my boyfriend wore a condom. What happened? Something must have gone wrong. What am I going to do? I don't want my child to be born into this situation where I have no money. I can barely feed myself. I'm asking my mom to send me money so I can afford ramen noodles. How can I bring a child into this world? I don't want a child to suffer through that. I so want this is to minority pre- report. I want to prevent. I know it's, I want to prevent Javier. Come on, man. I want to prevent. No, 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 no. I want to know what I'm saying is to, to reduce suffering. They don't want to bring a child into that situation because precisely because they want to protect and increase the quality of life for their offspring. So they stop the pregnancy and say, when I'm ready, when I'm doing better in life, I want to bring life into this world so that that life has quality of life, not just, uh uh-oh, this thing happened to me. It was an accident. I made a decision and things happened and now I've got to drop out of college or somehow bring a child into this world when I can't afford to feed myself. Because Mm -hmm. they love their child and because they love their, their, their future offspring, that protection, that mama bear kicks in and can lead them to saying, I'm not ready. I don't want to bring a child into this. That's exactly what's happening. It's not that they don't care about that embryo. It's that they care about their future children's quality of life. Okay. So, all right. Um, All right. Well, it's a lot to respond to. And hopefully I can. All right. So when people say, when people say living in poverty or they're poor, 
from my understanding, when, when people talk about living in poverty, they don't necessarily mean poverty from 200 years ago or 300 years ago or 100 years ago. I mean, I know people who are living in poverty who have cell phones, flat screen TVs, cars, roof over their head, refrigerator. I, I know plenty of people who are what you would consider to be under the poverty line who are doing relatively well. What we mean by poverty doesn't necessarily mean the same the same quality of living as a hundred years ago. They're not living in abject poverty to the point where they don't have a roof over their head. This video is brought to you by Hobby Lobby Apparel. Yeah, I said it, Hobby Lobby Apparel. If you're looking to make a statement politically or you're just looking to show your support for local independent American artists and of course, looking to support the show at the same time, well go over to HobbyLobbyApparel.com right now and start shopping. You can click the link in the description below or go to the link down at the bottom of the screen. Every time you shop, you support the show, but you also get to look fly at the same time. Whether you got pets, whether you got children, or you're looking for something yourself, Hobby Lobby Apparel has something for everybody. Now, let's get into the video. Now, you want to make the argument that, um, well, a child shouldn't, a woman have, shouldn't have to bring a child into poverty if she doesn't want to. Uh, okay, um, but for the life of me, I just don't get how living in poverty in America is somehow a guarantee of the quality of life that a child will have. That's basically uh, determining that child's future. There are no guarantees. Exactly. But, but if you know to, that you're but we're going you, to destroy that fetus based on what a woman perceives as a guaranteed. Uh, no, 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 no. There, there's a difference between guaranteed success and not wanting to bring a child into a guaranteed failed situation. So if the if the if the woman is already struggling to make it herself and can't afford to support herself and is living off of other people and a college student or is very young or has two part time or two jobs, two full time jobs. And because of inflation and because of the increase of costs, just can't afford to bring a child into the world and then finds herself pregnant. Um, it's just like I, we live I, in a society I think her, where. I think her her decision. My the reason I brought that up is because her decision to not let that embryo become a child is because she wants the child she does have to have a better quality of life than she can offer it right now. And okay. it's not guaranteed, but it's a statistical probability that if you have a college degree and a well paying job, when you have a child, that child will statistically do better than if you're born into poverty. I mean, that's not something we can argue. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making that argument. It's just that we don't know which child is which child. Like, yeah, your your child could grow up and become a a killer. I mean, rich people have children that grow up to be horrible, sure, right? Right. So we, yeah, statistically, if you if you're born into poverty, you're more likely to have a harder life and go through much worse than somebody born into a rich um, right. life. But for the life of me, I've been through. I grew up in abject. Well, I grew up in the projects. I've been homeless, and I grew up with six brothers and sisters all in the single house and just with my mother. And I would not trade my life for the sake of not going through what I went through. People being having a hard life does not necessarily mean a bad thing. It, it, people but go through trials and Javier, now that you've suffer. Javier, now that you've done it, it's fine. I I grew up very poor as well. I know what you're saying. But again, this is our own anecdotal experiences and our own anecdotal um, moments in time that we can now look back on in hindsight 
and say, you know what, Th these things negative that happened to me are, I'm going to make them positive and, and be stronger and be more successful. That's fine. Those are our decisions to make with our lives. My point is we can't look at our own anecdotal experience and take our views that. on this and then tell a woman, you That's have to I'm bring doing. that child into poverty because it worked out well for me. It's no, not that, up to us to I'm tell doing. a woman that, she needs to do that. David, I'm not making it. I'm not making I'm not basing my worldview off of my own experience. What I'm saying is what poverty means today is not necessarily what poverty meant 100 years ago or 200 years ago. There, that is relative on how people perceive poverty. Just because you live in poverty does not mean that you can't have a good life. And there are people living in poverty today that have relatively decent lives. And I would say majority of them have food, shelter, mm. cars. Mm. I, are you familiar cars. with food deserts? Because when you yeah. say food, do you mean purple drink and a bag of chips? Because there are tons of places in the projects Those all exist, over the country. not the majority. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people living in food deserts right now where the only food they have access to within a 45-minute walk because they can't afford cars is corner store junk food that is terrible for their nutrition, terrible for their behavior, terrible for brain development. And then we want to blame them for when they act out or sell drugs or get into a fight or join a gang. It is it is absolutely terrible the way some of these neighborhoods are treated. And honestly, a lot of it goes back to redlining and racist policies in America. I agree with, I agree with some of that, but like David, I think that these, these people who sit in these colleges and universities who try to attempt to study why certain neighborhoods are the way they are. I think it, it's a hard thing to truly understand. Like, if you look at my situation or many of the guys I grew up situation, you would count me in that statistic. You would count many of my friends in that statistic, and they would fall in that statistic. Gang violence, uh, criminal activity, jail, all of that. You would count them in that. But I can guarantee you that I, to this day, and I've been locked up with a lot of criminals, and I grew up with a lot of criminals. To this day, I have yet to meet one criminal who did it because they had to do it. Most of them did it because they grew up in a culture and an environment that made it okay for them to do it or they thought right. it was cool. Right. And where did that culture come from? And, and, and can that neighborhood be traced back to redlining? And can that neighborhood be traced back to a time where for a roughly 50 or 60 years, 92% of home loans went to white people only? And that that generational wealth got to be passed down in the form of home equity where black families were not given home loans, so they had to rent from white people and had absolutely no equity to leave to their children. Is that, that what you're talking about? And then those neighborhoods and then those neighborhoods where people owned houses, where they owned houses, and then and, and more people were paying more school taxes because they owned houses. School taxes got better education and better access. And then when you have better school taxes and, and more mortgages, then you get Walmart, you get Whole Foods, you get Dairy Queen, you get burger places, you get healthy foods. And yet in the projects where there is no home ownership and the taxes are low, you have low education and businesses don't want to be there. Businesses don't want to be there. But you know who goes there? 
uh, uh, liquor stores and payday loans to yeah. prey on people who were already poor and struggling. And if you're in that situation and you've got four kids and you're in the middle of struggling, it doesn't mean your physiological needs as part of Maslow's hierarchy goes away. You still have the desire to have intimacy and be loved and have sex. You have those physiological needs. Context. So in right, fine. But what's proper to you is not proper to somebody else. We don't right. get they, to we don't get to and, dictate our morals, Javier. We're no, not no, no, we're not going to pretend is, to be the religious right. So my point is is if David. you find yourself in one of those food deserts in the projects and then you find yourself pregnant because you acted on your physiological needs, you should have the right to say, I don't want to bring another child into this and watch them suffer through this. Okay, so by that logic, by that logic, if you live in one of these neighborhoods that's gang infested, you should have every justification when another guy goes out and kills another guy because of the environment in which he lives, where that is what's taken to survive, right? There's a difference between justification and understanding of a situation. I would okay. say I understand how it got that way. I would not say it's justified. In fact, I it's the never, opposite. It's an injustice. Okay, I would never, ever tell someone, because they're in a certain environment, that that justifies them doing a horrible act to somebody else, that, right? I did, that I didn't say that, yeah. I, I know, I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, just because you're poor, that does not justify you having an abortion. Because, like I said, most people that are poor that live in these areas don't necessarily have to commit crimes or necessarily have to make their situations worse. Okay, so let me let me let me use that same logic all the other way around. Just because you don't like the idea of an abortion doesn't justify you controlling a woman's body. I'm not controlling a woman's body. First of all, it's not. Her body. She doesn't have two heads. She doesn't have two feet. She doesn't have 10, 20 fingers. It's a separate body. That's why we call it an abortion because she's actually aborting the fetus or child. She is getting rid of the body that's inside of her. It's her body that is required for that fetus to exist. So it's her decision to make. Even if you don't like it, it doesn't justify you controlling her decisions about her body. And nobody's controlling it while David, we're on we're saying that she doesn't have a right to it so that the states can decide for themselves whether or not she can get an abortion. Okay. On the same, the on the same note, on, on the same note. And before we get into rape and all the other terrible things that, that can make a woman need an abortion. Let's look at it this way. When you were talking about people having sex and they should know the risk or your casino analogy or whatever. I've been wanting to ask you this question ever since you started texting me uh, about this abortion thing. If you and I are, are driving toward each other, and maybe you've heard this before, we're driving toward each other and I run a red light. And when I run that red light, I crash into you causing the accident. And because of the accident, you have permanent kidney damage. And I caused the accident. There's no arguing who's at fault. And I have to go to the hospital too to get checked up. You're in the hospital. You're undergoing emergency surgery. You need a kidney transplant. I'm in the hospital. They're checking me. They take my blood. They confirm I would be a good match for you. In that situation, would you support legislation that would force me to give you a kidney if I caused your accident and your kidney was failing as a result. 
No. Why? Because that has wider implications in society. Um, whoa, 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 the, why? Every time you take an action and that could potentially result in the, uh, hurting someone else, you mm-hmm. have to fear being cut open on the table and your organs being harvested for someone else. And even if it was an accident. Yeah. Right, um, right. Nobody wants to live in a society where they're at any time one wrong left turn or one right turn or you went down the street and you ended up in the wrong place, wrong time, and they caused something. Nobody wants to live in a society where you could wake up on the table after you've been cut open because your actions accidentally or inadvertently led to somebody else's damage. Right. Which nobody wants to live in a society where simply participating in your physiological needs of intimacy could end up in forcing your body to sustain an entire nine month pregnancy and go through childbirth. Okay. So look, we understand as human beings, we have brains, we, we have the ability to think, right? So with that ability, we've been doing this for thousands of years, right? So we should at some point understand that A plus B equals C. We know that two human beings get together, especially at that age, when you're going through puberty, you start to have these emotions, right? So we have family structures and we have things in place to prevent these type of things from happening. But what we do is we, we degraded those systems put in place to try to negate that from happening. And I'm not saying that people should be able to control other people's body. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is it's no wonder that these things are happening on the level that they're happening is because we don't have the safeguards to prevent people from having those type of acts before they're ready to deal with the consequences of what could happen. Okay, but Javier, you just made my point, man. You don't want to live in a society where one mistake, one small mistake could end up with catastrophic destruction to your body. And because that law would affect you, it hits home and you will never have to undergo an abortion. You will never have to undergo childbirth. So it seemed to be easy for you to compartmentalize because you'll never be, you'll never have to go under that knife to have childbirth. But women don't want to live in a society where one small mistake could end up with them being forced to go through a pregnancy. And that's the point of that analogy. Well, I don't necessarily. Okay. To me, that analogy doesn't hold, but. I, what, what I'm under under the understanding of when a, when there are certain things we know about nature, like you said, uh, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we've had so much time to understand how this thing works. And yet when people go out and commit reckless behavior, even if it's a, a, a physiological need and desire mm-hmm. as a society and as a community, we understand those desires. But yet, instead of creating the type of environment where women don't have to make those choices on, on mass, we've released the floodgates, casual sex, casual hookups. Well, who are you to tell a woman who to sleep with or how to sleep with? Nobody's saying that. But there are consequences to this type of behavior, consequences we don't even understand. Okay, yet. so what if I said that to you about the car accident analogy? There are consequences to you driving like an idiot. There are consequences to and you we have not using a blinker. There are safeguards put in place because we yes, know but none of them... that if some idiot decides to run okay. down the road at 90 miles per hour, he's going to probably kill himself or somebody else. Okay, right. 
there are consequences, but those consequences are financial. They are jail time, things like that. None of those consequences involve the forced use of the human body against your will, except when it comes to women and abortion. <laughs> because only women can have babies. Which is why women should be allowed to make this damn decision. And women are, there are women out there who are pro-life. Not all women are pro-choice. <laughs> and there are black people who are pro-Trump. Yeah. So when you say what women should be able to, that still doesn't settle the argument. Well, you said only women can have babies. That's why. And that's my point is women don't want to live in a society where one mistake could end up resulting in them having to go through a pregnancy. That same fear you would have if, if that law passed about you having to donate a kidney, that fear that you would have every day. We don't want to live in a society where, where one mistake could end up with that much consequence. That's exactly how women feel right now. Most women, and this is on based on polls, most women do not want to live in a society where one mistake revolving around their intimacy could end up in them being forced to carry a pregnancy to term. It's and too much of a consequence for a small mistake. Would you at least acknowledge that that is a massive, like dedicating your body to the growth of another human? Do you not think that that's too much of a consequence for one small mistake of forgetting birth control or not using a condom or using a condom and the condom breaks? Doesn't this seem like those are small it, mistakes? If I could wave my hand and make sure no women who didn't ever want to get pregnant, got pregnant when she didn't want to. I would. I'm, it's just what happened. I don't have power over nature, right? Yeah, of course I Oh, agree so since you, you don't have power over nature, you want power over women. I don't care about women. I, women, I'm married. I understand what it's like dealing with one woman. Why do I care to control women? It's like, who comes up with that argument? Nobody... Me trying to because when fetus I, is not me trying to control a woman. Well, it sounds like it because whenever I proposed an idea that would result in you having to donate your body to something, if you made a mistake, you were against it. But if a woman makes a mistake, you want her to be required to donate her body because the actions have consequences. So it's different. You want to be treated well, no, differently than women. No, what, what I'm saying is when... The difference in your, your, like I said, the analogy didn't hold. The difference between that analogy to what you use is when I get when I get on the road, I understand that I live in a society where a maniac could literally run into me. I have to take that risk and I have to understand that. The fetus does not have that faculty. They don't have that understanding. They don't get to consent when the whole thing goes down. They don't have that understanding of risk. Right. Neither does a completely innocent. Right. In the whole ne situation. Neither does a flower because it has no sentience or sapience. It has no wisdom. It has no self awareness. Which and the mother, the the woman does, which is why she gets to make that decision. Yeah. But let me human, let me let me spread this out a little. Let me make this easier. Would you, would you support legislation that says organs save lives? So. Every person that dies by law must be an organ donor. Uh, yeah, I probably would. Um, as long as the family gets to make their proper uh, respects or whatever. I mean, a dead body is a dead body. I mean, uh, once you have used to, once you finish using all of your organs and stuff, and it can be put to good use for somebody else, of course. I'm not against that at all. So once the person's dead, you don't you know believe I mean? there should be any bodily autonomy or... No, 
So if, if they, so if someone wrote out in their will, I want to be buried completely, or I want my, I want all of my organs intact so that all of me is cremated and my family can keep <laughs> me on the mantle. You think that should be overruled? That person's will should be overruled and we should be able to harvest organs out of their body the moment they die against their will? Um, they don't have a will anymore. Once you're dead, you're dead. Everything that you are and what you want, it dies with you. It just so happened that humans are very, very touchy about this type of stuff. Interesting. But logically, it makes no sense. If you can donate your body or your organs can be used to help other people, by all means, that's what we should be doing. But you well, can't make the argument because well, people hold are on. emotional. Well, hold on. No, no, no. I agree with you. That's what people should do. Yeah. But what you and I would be willing to do is different from what we should be legislating and forcing people to do. So I, I agree with you that that makes sense. And I agree with you that they should. But my idea of what someone should do does not mean it should be legislation for everyone. But it has to be at some point because that's how laws are made. Somebody has to decide at the end of the day what we should do versus what we shouldn't do. And that's what's up for debate in all of these things that we debate in society. We all have to decide what society we want to live in. I just happen don't want to live in a society where women line up in mass to terminate their fetuses that's growing wow. inside of their body. That's to me, not... that's not a society in which I want to live in. And I, all I can do is make my argument. I'm not saying that I'm the one making the decisions, but if I have to make an argument, I'm going to argue in favor of keeping the fetus alive. Against the mother's will. Against the mother's will. I don't think one person should be able to decide the value of another human life. And but, they, but you are though. To be a human life. But you are. You're, you're, you're giving the you're giving the fetus more rights than the pregnant person. No, I'm not. She still has all her rights. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she does. No, she doesn't. What, what, does pregnancy she, what, 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 pregnancy what is a medical condition. If if you have a medical condition, you can go to the doctor and treat it. David, there are things, there are procedures and surgeries and medications you cannot get in America because the government has decided you can't. But we don't see people lining up to say we should just open the floodgates to all medications, all procedures, because the government has an interest in what's permissible in the medical field versus well, what's not. Well, what you're talking about is is not necessarily things that are health related. Like if you if you have something that your health is is ailing and you need to get that treated, there's nothing illegal about any of that. What there you're are talking about on what, the market that you can't get because they are deemed not well for you. Right. Exactly. Okay, so that's different. Can tell you what you can put that, in your body and what you can't. Well, if it's deemed unhealthy. But, but well, a, an what abortion. About, what about my body and my choice? Shouldn't I be able to take something that's unhealthy for me? Uh, I, well, that's a different argument. That's a completely different argument because we could have an entire conversation about why, you know, alcohol. Uh, why uh, bartenders will cut off an alcoholic, mm -hmm. but if someone is clearly obese and on the verge of having a heart attack, you can serve them eleven bacon cheeseburgers in a row and nothing <laughs> happens. But, so, but you we would agree though that the government does have an interest in the medical field. You would agree. With well, that's that. so. I mean, that's so broad. But that's we just do, so broad of here. But David, when people, the argument was made through Roe v. Wade that the that abortion was a privacy issue between a woman and her doctor. Yes. Yet the government infringes on the privacy of doctors and patients all of the time. That's why that ruling was faulty. Uh, give me an example. Oh, I just told you that there are certain medications that your doctor can't prescribe you. That well, is the government like, getting in between you and the right, doctor. Right, but 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 Javier, 
what you're talking about is preventing you from hurting yourself because a medication is not deemed to be safe versus you having a medical condition happening, a growth inside you or a parasite or a tumor or something that you want to get rid of. You can go to the doctor as a man and do anything you want to get rid of things inside your body that are hurting you. Women, when they are going through a pregnancy and they want to go to the doctor to stop this pregnancy, there is now no longer federal protection for her to do that. Okay. That's the issue. I don't see how that's an issue. <laughs> like, I really don't see how that's an issue. It's like, you know, right. we, so, we're human so let's move. We, we, we reprocreate. That that's a part of it like, uh, by that, choice. By choice. No, we it's never been by choice. It's only recently become part of a choice. For most of human history, when you got pregnant, you just was pregnant. Well, but since abortions were um, allowed for most of human history, once abortions became a thing, it was not outlawed because it was seen to be a privacy issue with women and their doctors. So only recently has it been no longer a federal protection. And when, you, when they talk about the Constitution doesn't even mention it. Yeah, they didn't think they had to write in there that women can make decisions about their own bodies. Have. There's, I mean, well, they did own slaves at the time, didn't they? Yeah, I know. We're going to get into that. We're definitely going to get into that. <laughs> well, so, so this this okay. issue that happened in in Ohio brings about probably one of the things that people talked about. People on my side of this argument talked about and warned about, and pro lifers, conservatives rolled their eyes and said, "Yeah, right, that doesn't happen." Just days after this ruling came down, there was a ten year old rape victim in Ohio who became pregnant and could not get an abortion. Um, in that state, they had to leave that state. I believe they went to Illinois to get, to get an abortion. What are your thoughts around exceptions for, for rape and especially the rape of children? Okay. So from my understanding, states have to decide for themselves on the abortion issue because it's highly contentious. Um, some people, even most people who are pro-choice have a cutoff moment of like when it's okay and when it's not okay. So people are still debating the semantics around when it's okay, when it's not okay, and how early and how late, and um, which we should be having that debate and people should be deciding for themselves and what communities they want to live and how they want to, how their government treats them. So where I stand on that whole issue is like, like rape and incest. I think if a woman's life is at risk, if it's like the baby is killing her, then I think that she should be able to get an abortion. Or if, if there's uh, definitely something horribly wrong to where either the child's life is going to end or be suffering or pain, or the woman is going to suffer and die or something like that. I, I believe in abortion. As far as the, the rape case and the rape situation goes, um, most abortions are not due to rapes and incest. I think that makes up like 0.5% of the people who I don't get think, abortions. It, it doesn't matter. It, that, that part doesn't matter. Because when we legislate, or when we, we can, the, we can the, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is essentially legislating from the bench at this point, which conservatives were vehemently against 10, 15 years ago. How are they legislating from the um, from the bench right now? Well, not only are they wanting to do 
not only have they overturned Roe v. Wade, making that's it illegal, not legislating, making that's it just... illegal, making it illegal in multiple states to get an abortion because there were trigger laws set up. They knew there were trigger laws set up. They did this shit on purpose, and and we can yeah, talk about the Supreme really... Court in a moment. But okay. they're doing that, and then in his in his opinion. Uh, I think it was Thomas who even wrote he wanted to now go go down and started readdressing uh, same sex marriage, the case that addressed same sex marriage, the came the the case that addressed um, gay sex, uh, which are sodomy laws, as well as addressing the case um, that dealt with um, what was the other one? Uh, you talking about like uh, no, he didn't say anything about contraception. Contraception okay. is another thing because now now if we get into that fertilized egg is a human, you do realize that means the morning after pill is murder. So if someone is raped and then takes a plan B pill the next day, that person could be considered a murderer in some of these states. So I'll ask you, do you believe the plan B pill is murder? Um, I believe plan uh, B is effectively kind of like an abortion, right? It, it basically stops whatever fertilized egg from growing, right? And it just does it at an earlier stage than maybe three or six weeks later, right? In, no, no, no. Like the next day, that day. Yeah, instantly. the next day. The next day. But that's the stop. Like if the egg did get fertilized, because most people who take the plan B probably don't even know they're pregnant at the time. But it's a, it's a preventative measure just in case they got pregnant, right? Right. Okay. Um, that's, that's the hard one because she might take the plan B and may not be pregnant at all. So if in the case that she is pregnant, I would consider it to be the same thing as abortion. Regardless, I would, she destroyed the life that was growing inside of her. I, I wouldn't call it murder, but I would definitely, I wouldn't definitely put it on the scale of not murder. I would put it somewhere in between. Like that's definitely the destruction of the life. Um, well, let me let me put it to you like this, and and it is it is a, an interesting piece of this conversation because I'm just going to pull this up from the FDA. It says Plan B works like any other birth control pill to prevent pregnancy. Plan B acts primarily by stopping the release of an egg from the ovary, and it may prevent the union of sperm and egg, which would be fertilization. Mm -hmm. But if fertilization does occur. Plan B may prevent a fertilized egg from attaching to the womb so it can prevent implantation. So in that moment where the egg is fertilized, but it's not yet attached to the womb and plan B stops that fertilized egg from attaching to the womb, do you consider that murder? Um, uh... In the, I could never know. It's one of those things that. Well, earlier you said that fertilized egg was a human. It, it, it is, but what I'm saying is, you can't investigate something like that. That's what I'm saying. Like if well, she could have not been pregnant at all and took the Plan B, so I couldn't say that's murder just by taking a Plan B. That doesn't automatically make it murder. But I would say it's effectively just the same as having an abortion if she did get pregnant. But you can't investigate something like that. That's one of those things that would just be impossible to find out. And so why would, can't you investigate it? Because it's literally the day after, unless you want to literally strap her down to a bed. And I don't even know if the medical science can go in there and figure that out in such a, in, in such a time frame. It, I mean, it would do be you think that's from what they're doing? Do you think that's really out of the question? For them to take away plan B? Or, or no, for them to do an investigation in a, in, in a woman's womb 
or or for after she took a plan B or yeah or if a woman has a natural miscarriage, how do they know she didn't cause that miscarriage? Thereby falling under the lines of being an abortion. If a woman is, you know, at, at sixteen weeks or twelve weeks pregnant and has a miscarriage, how yeah, how do they know um, so, she didn't cause it? D- does this mean now that in in these states where this is a crime, um, is every miscarriage now a crime scene? I don't, I don't, I, I don't think so. And and here, here's what I'm at. Cause I think that many times when I either, either I'm listening to pro pro choicers or I'm having a conversation, I think sometimes our viewpoints are so like on a different mark that we are talking about two totally different things. When I say that I'm pro life, if, if, if the state decides that women can't get abortions, I'm under the impression or the expectation that that means doctors or people can't perform abortions on women. Meaning the doctor who performs the abortion is at fault or the person who performs the abortion on the woman is at fault. Never should we be going into people's home and investigating whether or not they had a, like they forced themselves to have a miscarriage or whatever. The case well, may be. well, hold on though. If that, if that fertilized egg is a human and humans under the law have protections over their life and that human growing inside this woman dies according to your definition of already being alive that's a homicide investigation and that woman's uterus is now a crime scene because something was alive and it is now dead and we don't know the cause of it but david nobody's making the argument or at least most pro-lifers, I've never heard anybody make this argument that we be that we should be treating abortion just like we would treat murder cases. The argument, from what I understand, is we should not be allowing medical professionals to perform abortions. That's what they mean by banning abortions. Mm, no, man. no, nobody's arguing that. I, I don't. I don't think it's right for you to say nobody's arguing it. There are plenty of videos from various state senate arguments and debates where people are saying just that. Okay, where they are well, saying that's... that they will investigate miscarriages. They are saying that Plan B will result in murder charges where Plan B will no longer allowed to be will be allowed to be sold in places. They are also, by the way, putting stipulations in that you're not allowed to leave the state to get an abortion. They're referring to it as abortion tourism. The crime is being labeled as aiding and abetting. Okay. So not only will that citizen of the United States for the first time ever have a – it's so unconstitutional for someone to say for a state to make a law that you can't leave the state for a specific reason. But they're right now, Javier, there are already doctors they, in they Illinois. Do that. Let they me do that. L- Listen to me. There are already doctors right now in Illinois requiring – um, women to prov- to to prove residency in the state of Illinois in order to get an abortion because they're afraid that neighboring states who have outlawed abortion will come for them legally if they perform abortions on women who are who are residents of these other states. So now women not only even if you have the money to travel outside of your state to get the abortion, you now may be a criminal for crossing state lines to have a medical procedure <laughs> to care your um, fetus, right? To have okay. a medical procedure to end a pregnancy. Uh, okay. So David, here's a few things, right? 
the first thing I'll say is there are going to be idiots in the Senate. There are going to be idiots everywhere, even on the Supreme Court. Um, there are going to be idiots. And what I'll say is everything on an individual level, you have to judge everything on a case-by-case uh, -case basis. If, if they are investigating women from having miscarriages, I will fight, especially in my state, for that to not be allowed. But why? Um, Hold on. Just let me stop real quick and find out why. Because a moment ago you told me that a fertilized egg is a human and that human life deserves protection under the law. It does. So if a woman says she has a miscarriage, she could have killed her baby according to your definition. And you don't want her investigated for murder? No. Why? Because... I know we like to use analogies and things of that sort, but in this particular situation, it would become such an impossible task that it just would not bode well for the people enacting the laws and the people suffering from the laws. You cannot be investigating every miscarriage. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this. Now, if statistically we know this, like, a certain amount of women have miscarriages, right? And if that number like shot up drastically 200% or 500%, then it's only safe to assume that some, a lot, a lot of women are deciding to well en enact their own. Okay. Uh, Look, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump in on that bandwagon and just say there is a certain number of, of toddlers who just die in their sleep. So, so if a, if a toddler dies in their crib, should there be no investigation? Well, that's you. That's an easier investigation. You can find a cause of death for a toddler. Is um no, if a toddler how, just how stops. Do you, how do you how do you go about determining the cause of death for a fetus? Or an embryo. Or yeah. whatever or or whatever caused whatever caused a fertilized egg to not attach itself to the womb. Yeah. Just like in my state, right? Um, it's illegal to have anal sex, right? It's still on the books. <laughs> but realistically it's so impractical to actually hunt down cases of anal sex it makes no sense that people aren't even going to well well so it's not just anal sex it's 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 sodomy you're in georgia right yeah yeah so you're talking about sodomy laws i grew up in texas sodomy was on the books in texas until i think 2003 or 2005 yeah where it was finally overturned um and sometimes there are laws that can't be enforced right yeah. But um, those laws were not put in place for for happy married couples to not be able to have oral or anal sex. <laughs> these these laws were put in place to to prevent gay people from having sex. That's exactly what this was about. And so that was one of the cases that was ruled by the Supreme Court that that was unconstitutional. That was one of the cases that Justice Thomas mentioned yeah. that they need to have another look at. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, they can look at it all they want. This is what I require from my country, my states. This is what I require. If if the support is to protect women's ability to have an abortion, then I only expect, and I know what you're going to say. I know how you're going to respond to this, right? Um, but I expect for people to rally up Congress, get the votes they need to put the right people in Congress, to do it through legislation like it was supposed to be done from the very beginning. Now, I know you're going to say gerrymandering and the cheating and all of that, right? 
but this is the democracy we have. And if you can't figure out a way to make the democracy work in your favor, it doesn't matter what you do, how much you scream and yell. At the end of the day, there are certain things we have in this country that can only be protected by legislation and the actual Congress doing their job. Yeah. So the, the, the problem with that is not only the things you mentioned as far as gerrymandering and all that, it's also very much having to do with, we just did that. We voted overwhelmingly that we don't want conservatives controlling the government. Overwhelmingly. We, we have all three, the liberal ideology in some form or fashion has all three branches of government. And this still happened. Well, I and, would say- and by the way, um, five of the four Supreme Court justices were appointed by presidents who at one time lost the popular vote. And so essentially America has said, we don't want conservatism to rule us. And because of gerrymandering, because of the electoral college, because of filibuster, and and because of George Bush and Donald Trump being elected despite losing the popular vote, America spoke and said, we don't want you. But because of the Electoral College, they got in power anyway. They got to choose but the that's Supreme. that's how the system works. Baby. But it's a, okay, but it's a broken system. Uh, then you know my, what you need to my, do. My point is, sure, I get a revolution. It. Well, well, hold on. Uh, we definitely need, I, th- I, th- I personally think we need to pack the court. I think the court needs to go to 13. Uh, Oh boy. Me, what, what happens when the uh, conservatives get in power? Well, it doesn't make sense. Four more people on or five more people on. That doesn't make sense because the, the Supreme Court justices, there are nine of them because there were nine circuit courts. And there are now 13 circuit courts and only nine justices. So if we go up to 13, it's still accurate to how many circuit courts we have and adding a 14th, there would be no justification to go beyond 13 until we add more circuit courts. Okay, so, so let me you ask can't you a just. If, I'm not just saying one day there's going to be 93 people on the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, let me ask you a question. If Donald Trump would have put those 13 up there when he was in office, would you have been supporting it? Of course not. <laughs> because he. Were. No, let me tell you why. Because he lost the popular vote, and America but spoke. Not a system we have. But America, my point is, we're being ruled by the minority. We're being ruled by an ideology that the vast majority of Americans do not agree with. That's not supposed to happen in a democracy. It's that the GOP found some loopholes and they cheated their way into these Supreme Court justices. They held off uh, Barack Obama. You know they did him wrong with Merrick Garland. He would have been on the Supreme Court had this happened and maybe this didn't happen. See, but what happened is they and y'all dropped the ball on that. The Democrats dropped the ball on that. Here's the thing. They weren't in enough power. They didn't have power. Yeah, and uh, Obama lost the, um, what, Congress? He lost... um, It almost always happens. Just like it's probably going to happen with Biden. It's the same way. It's almost always the incumbent president almost always lose power in the midterms. Because all the pressure is on him. Yeah, and the the approval rating is typically low in the first two years. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's standard. But look, I I don't want to get too far off. I don't want to get too far off the topic here. Because I want to get back into these these states. These states being able to mandate this. Because uh, these states are not expanding maternity leave. They're not expanding family leave. They're not extending Medicaid to these women. They're, they're not helping in any other way other than to say you have to have this baby if you're if you're pregnant. Do you think these states that are 
outlawing abortion should increase Medicaid, should increase medical care and increase family leave uh, for these families that are going to be having babies they didn't want to have in the first place? I think we have a lot of steps we should take to actually make women more more capable of having kids. And that includes a lot of support, not just from the government, but also from the communities and the people around them in their lives. I'll say this. Um, I'm not necessarily on the Republican side. I don't care for the Republicans at all, right? What, 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 where I am is I think that we are the United States of America, and I believe in state rights, but I also believe that the federal government has a role to play. Now, women are in situations that every woman's situation is different. Women are going to be in different circumstances and have their reasons and why they want an abortion and why they don't want an abortion. And I want to help create an environment where less and less women feel inclined to need an abortion. And I think that goes hand in hand with protecting that life as well. So I've been talking to a pro-life um, progressive woman and there are a number of things that uh, the pro-lifers are fighting for to actually protect that life, but also help women who have children. And I 100% agree that we need more support systems for women who are in difficult situations, who might need that leg up and need to navigate through life so they can be successful and ensure a better future for their children. Yeah, that's all very generic, positive things that I would support as well. And I think most most liberals are definitely on the side of um, uh, sex education, which would go a long way in preventing unwanted pregnancy. Contraceptives as well, by the way, which, like I said, the Supreme Court wants to now, quote, have a look at. Um, and there are laws coming out that are are preventing aspects of that. There are there are activists who are religious and for whatever reason are using their position as a pharmacist or a technician or a cashier at Wal at Walgreens just refusing to sell condoms to people now. They feel enabled. They feel entitled now to to push their own religious views on the rest of us and refuse and there there's a woman there's a woman on TikTok who has said multiple times she keeps trying to go back to Walgreens to get her birth control. And it's always this same little old lady that just keeps telling her it's not ready. They don't have it. They're out. And she has to call and get someone else on the phone and find out it actually is there waiting on her. But every time she goes to buy it, the woman goes and checks and says, sorry, it's not there. This woman is just telling her she can't have her birth control. It's this, it's this overall idea that people are pushing their worldview onto other people. So but that's, I'm that's all about respect. Listen, I'm all about helping women. I'm all about respecting women. I'm all about uh, putting more, more uh, avenues in place for women to do better and have less unwanted pregnancies. But my point is that it starts with letting them make those decisions about their bodies. It starts with listening to women and understanding where they are coming from in this situation, not saying that's a human inside you and I demand you don't uh, terminate that from becoming a person. I, and that's up to them to decide. It's not I, up to us I, or Congress. I agree that women want to express themselves and they have a voice and their voices should be heard. I also have the right to disagree with them and we have the right to debate and try to win the arguments and convince or to gain power to change things how we so choose. Okay. You so said the system is broken. Well, the founder said that the government is meant to work at the will of the people. If the will of the people are not being enacted in the government, then it's the will of the people to yeah. overthrow that government and establish a new one. By the way, they also said that they thought we should uh, have a new constitution every 15 to 20 years. They would be appalled if they 
came back well, to life and saw here, us using this problem, old David. ass outdated document to govern our problem. lives today. You, here's the problem. This is the problem. Whatever the government is, the people allowed it to become this way. And mm, I get that some people not really. have more faith in not the government really. than I do. But not what really. I'm saying is you can have the world's largest, most powerful government. They can be doing everything you want them to do. And then one day that right guy gets in office and changes everything and gets the power and changes everything. If you're not happy with the government that, and the system that we have, either you're going to overthrow it and establish a new government. Or you have to use the system you got to get what you want. And right well, now, it just seems that the liberals didn't win this one. Well, there, there are a lot of people uh, who would disagree with that, that, that we allowed it to get here. I mean, I, I fundamentally, you're right. But there are some sneaky tricks that are being used. The filibuster, Ted Cruz standing there reading green eggs and ham for nine hours. There are abuses of power that happened. Uh, all over the place. There were abuses of power with Mitch McConnell not letting Obama put Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court. That is not how this was supposed to go. There are a group of people in conservative people primarily in our government who are willing to break the rules and say, what the hell are you going to do about it? And the people don't really understand a lot of their powers. They don't the know Democrats how much power well. they have. I'm just saying that just like with the whole COVID restrictions and lockdowns and Democrats were going out partying and stuff, uh, that's so generic. Look, we're, we're gonna we're gonna focus back on the conversation. Is, that's yeah. There was a there was a Gavin Newsom who did it and got in trouble. But to to try to drag that into this conversation, you know what the hell I'm talking about, Javier? They but, they they stole the Supreme Court. So the 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 voters spoke. We did not want Donald Trump. The voters spoke. We did not want George Bush. The voters categorically spoke. We did not want conservative justices, and we got them anyway based on loopholes. That's my point. The people have spoken, and it didn't matter what we said. The yeah. minor, the conservative minority got their way anyway. Okay, Here's what I want to do. True. Hold that on. Hold on. I got to lead this show, Javier. The, okay. the way – what I want to do now, I want to get into ectopic pregnancy because the treatment for that is abortion. I want to get into a specific story that came out uh, from a state that has that has restricted this where a woman was literally in agony for hours with an ectopic pregnancy while her doctor was on the phone with an attorney trying to figure out if he could legally help her. We're going to talk about that. I want to talk about IVF as well because there are tons of people who want children and won't be able to have children if this is still considered an abortion because IVF is essentially what I think John Stewart referred to as embryonic roulette and the fact that embryos have to be frozen. And then I have some audio that I want to play for you that I think might change your mind. We're going to do that and so much more at patreon.com slash David C. Smalley. That's where the conversation continues. Patreon.com slash David C. Smalley. If you're not coming with us, please at least drive like you know I each like other. Know each other. <laughs> <laughs> one in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling.